0: Hello and welcome to our program, Redeeming Our Motherland, Uganda, that is coming to you from Voice of Uganda Radio, this Sunday, the 15th of May, 2016. My name is Margaret Akelopio, and together with Bosco Nyeko, we will be presenting today's uh, topic, which is actually the continuation of the... Uh, for solutions. In about two weeks ago we brought you the topic mistaking problems for solutions and we observed that we Ugandans have to be very very careful in order that we do not mistake problems for solutions. We have observed in the past programs that this is a great time for us Ugandans to make a meaningful change to our country. And we've seen now what is happening in our country. For many, many weeks we have been crying out that Uganda is in crisis. We've been crying out that our country is at crossroads, but never has our country, the, has the evidence been as clear as it is right now. Now, before I go any further, I invite Bosco to say hello to you, our listeners. You're welcome, Bosco.
1: Um, Thank you very much, Margaret, and um, many thanks also goes to Voice of Uganda. Uh, Great opportunity, again, to be back on uh, the radio, talking to our fellow countrymen and women uh, and friends as well. Uh, We thank you so much for being with us this evening, and I hope you find the discussions of this evening um, um, in the aftermath of uh, events of the last one or two weeks uh, quite informative and also quite constructive on the way forward as a nation. So we thank you very much for being with us this evening, and please stay with us for the next course of two hours. And thank you so much. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you
0: very, thank you very much, Welcome. thank you very much, our listeners, and so thank you very much to Voice of Radio for uh, giving us the opportunity to share our views, uh, our country, fellow Ugandans and friends of Uganda all over the world, we are truly thankful. Dear Ugandans and friends of Uganda, in the last program, we said that the people's need for change is very high, and that the population is ready for change, that our people are aware and enlightened. But we also warned that on the back, of the people's strong needs for change what is going to be must is the solutions to our current problems we also say that change means different things to different people change to different people this is being studied we invite you to reflect upon in whatever you're doing. We also said that we all use the word Uganda to camouflage our particular interests. When people say Uganda they mean something different and there is a risk of bandwagoning. But the reason why we were discussing and we brought this topic we say that where we are right now there cannot be shortcuts. There are certain things that we have to simply 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 have to do in order to bring prosperity and all, all rights back to our country for the benefit of all our citizens. And we said that unless we start to care about Uganda as a whole we will be mistaking problems for sh- solutions. Dear Ugandans and friends of Uganda, we say that Uganda right now is at an ac- acute stage that needs urgent intensive care treatment. And it will need treatment that will have to be applied simultaneously. That is what we say. But we also looked at the current situation in the country. And we said that it is going to be imperative that we start with the end in mind. Now, me just remind you that this is a continuation of the discussion of the people power. And in the in the program before that, and even in the last program, we continued to build on the discussion of the people power we said that we need the people power now and we need to get organized in order to utilize our powers to bring prosperity back into our country dear Ugandans in a little while We'll be playing for you an interview by Museveni himself. But before we play that, I would like to remind you again what we said. We said that the people have the power. The people stand in a very strong position. And we said that Museveni needs you more than you need him. I know that especially faced with what we are faced with right now in our country. We are going to need to listen to our own inner voices. We are going to have to listen to what we are saying now. And internalize reflect, because where we are now as Ugandans, Museveni has pushed us into this place. And I think that it's going to be very, very important that we listen to what he has to say. So I'm going to request uh, Voice of Uganda Radio uh, to uh, play an excerpt of this interview. Um, when you're ready, Voice of Uganda Radio?
2: Spring now. Yeah, yeah but... Me? Uh, I can't
0: hear it. I can't hear it.
2: You don't hear what? How are you going to hear it?
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, we have a problem. Uh, you still have a problem with your computer.
0: Okay. I I, don't, can, I eh?
2: can we not hear it? No, you cannot hear it when you are talking to me. You have to <laughs> you have to use your computer to open it. To to listen on it. Sorry. Yeah, Margaret. Bosco. Hello?
1: Yeah. Who is Bosco? I'm I'm listening. I'm listening. Oh, uh, it's listen, on. Yeah.
2: It's on. Yeah. We have a problem with the Margaret's computer.
1: Yeah, Becca, is playing, yeah? Yeah, it's playing. I can hear yeah. it. I can hear it. Yeah, it's playing,
2: but it's finished. Yeah. I was t- uh, telling uh, Margaret, we have a problem with your computer. It start to break. But we can go on. See, maybe the way it can be better.
1: Mm-mm.
2: Okay, it's finished. You ready to go back?
0: Yes. Yes.
2: Okay, go back.
0: Our listeners, uh, Ugandans and friends of Uganda, uh, we hope that you are able to hear those words from President, uh, the current President of Uganda, who was sworn in again, Mr. Museveni, who has been sworn in now is in power for thirty years class. We thought that it is important to remind ourselves as Ugandans. Sometimes as they say, hindsight is a twenty twenty vision. Those were the words of Museveni when he was still in the Luero Triangle, before over 30 years ago, when he was still fighting the war to overthrow the democratic government of Uganda. Now, there are pertinent points that from Mr. <laughs> First and foremost, Mr. Museveni made it very, very clear that he was using the people's power. He said, he it, it was almost saying the same words that we are saying now, and the same words that other people are saying at the moment, the people power. People power, the people power. This is exactly one of the things we said in a previous program. We said that we, you guys, are very good at stringing very nice English words. When they sound, when they're spoken, they sound very nice and very clear and very powerful. However, we also said in a past program that what's the motivation, what's the motive? So, when Museveni was marching, came into uh, Uganda uh, and started recruiting uh, people to fight against the Ugandan government. He started talking to Ugandans to fight against the government. He made it that that was the people's war. He made it that his cause was the people his his cause was for the people he made it that that was the people you that was the people utilizing their power so in other words he is saying the same thing we are saying today he said that was the people power he said the people are the ones who are crying for us to wage this war and he said if it wasn't for the people we would be we wouldn't do anything we wouldn't we wouldn't win this war. People using us. This is people's war. So the people, this is point number one. Point number one is that whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, we brought Museveni to power. And in fact, we brought Museveni to power using our power. Using our people's power. In the last two weeks of our program, we discussed the people power. And we said it's important that the people know their power. And this is so important that we know our power, we not only know our power, but we also know how to utilize it. Right because we used our power at that time. In the way they used it and, and entrusted Museveni and we applauded him without reading too much into his intentions. We a lot of people were recruited, a lot of people joined in, a lot of people fought with him because they believed. And in fact, when you when you start really reflecting on, on these words again and you reflect on President Dibbe, more of the candidate thing this, this, this is not what we joined NRM for. This is, they said that. But if you now listen to what Museveni said, he really made it that this is the mother of all wars to end all the problems in Uganda. And the people believed in and the people gave him their power. We, the people, gave Museveni their power. This is the crucial point. So whether we know it or not. Whether we like it or not. This is what we have been saying in our program. The people power. We have the power. And Museveni needs you. More than you need him. This also explains. Museveni's words. Themselves. Explain. What we are saying here. Because he himself said without the people. We couldn't do anything. And we are saying this because we would like you to connect this to the current situation. We would like you to utilize the process that already exists. The process that brought Museveni to power is again the same process that can take him out of power. Because frankly, where we are standing now, although Museveni looks like he has a lot of power right now, He's wielding all these guns. He's wielding all these arms. He's wielding all these jets, and you know, to scare people into submission. The reality is that the power that is wielding, wielding now is not the power that is um, reinforced by the people. And this is exactly why we are having the situation we are having right now in our country. The people have withdrawn their power. On the 18th of February, the people went and voted otherwise. But Museveni is not letting go. Museveni is now realizing that the people are withdrawing their power, but is now using cohesion. He's coercing the people through rigging the, the elections to make it appear to the world like he still has the authority. But he hasn't. So this reinforces exactly what we said. Two, in the past two programs, we say the power comes to the, from the people. The people have the power. The people are in, the, in a place of strength. That Museveni has a weakness, and his weakness is that he needs abundance. Why? Now, we say, be by the arms and ammunition that is parading around. Because at the end of the day, he still needs the people. This is the reality. Because if we, the people now, withdraw our powers, and we can, starting from the soldiers, agriculturalists, every, in fact, he says he said it himself how he organized himself. We Ugandans can use the same process. To our country and get him uh, from away from a dictatorship regime in our country. So that is point number one. The other thing that uh, Museveni's uh, words makes clear to us. Also, is that he had to educate the people. Education, 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 and this is something that we've been saying, program for months and, months and months and months. When we started this program, some people were, saying, oh, you people are just lecturing, oh, people you are just talking, oh, we need to do this, but without a proper awareness programs, we are not going to be able to redeem our country. And this awareness will also require us to revisit some of the things that we take for granted. For instance, democracy. What really is democracy? I think it's about time that we Ugandans, we shouldn't just be, be saying, what are actually questioning that? We mustn't. Because at the end of the day, whatever we've done in the past has brought us to where we are right now. Right now we have to be finding different ways of taking ourselves into a better position for all Ugandans. What pains my heart right now is that amongst the elite when you talk to some people instead of recognizing what we need that what we need right now is not a clamoring for raw power. Instead of recognizing the fact that what we need right now is unity and that what we need right now is empowering each and every individual in Uganda so that lies their potential and work together to build our country you find that um, amongst ourselves people are still talking about wanting power wanting to have a stake in it probably for just their own their own selves we are where we are dear Ugandans and friends of Uganda and Museveni himself says in that opening uh, uh, his opening speech that the way things were mm-hmm. they yeah. have to under those, and those We are now in that same position that Museveni was talking about. We are in that same position right now. What are we going to choose? What have we chosen? It's not going to anymore. It's not in the future. It's not even today. It was yesterday. We should have made this choice already a long time ago. What do we want? What are we choosing? Because that's what Museveni himself said that. He, the, he said, okay, well, we are here now, what are we going to do? He, he, he said, well, where we were, we either had to just re- choose to remain in, in bondage uh, or not. Are we choosing to remain in bondage? This is the reality facing us Ugandans right now. And this, is, the time right now is really for us to understand our powers, the processes, and to also understand how to use our powers for the benefit of all and, and this is the other main point that arises from that uh, that clip that interview clip that interview clip teaches us one thing that we have to be careful who we give our power to because different people have different motives and that also, because Musevena was making people believe that he was their savior. But he wasn't really their savior, it was their <laughs> I know probably my, uh, a lot of my women folk would kill me for this. But it, a lot of the times people use this word, they say that women, that people are manipulative any manipulated people, this was manipulating people, telling people, saying, oh yeah, you know what, it's your, you, are, you are the one who is doing it, it's yours, it's yours, it, it's your power, it's your fight, it's your war, it's your government, it's your prosperity, it's your this, and people he, he manipulated people, and people believed. So this also has to teach us. Surely, even if we have to play this clip over and over and over again and learn vital lessons from it and learn hindsight is 2020 vision. We learn, let's learn from Museveni. After all, he did something and he stayed hung in power for 30 years, but let's, let's learn, learn it for the positive side so as to prevent that from happening again. So he manipulated the people. And he simply made the people believe that it was their war. It was they were liberating themselves. So we Ugandans now have to, a to determine the way that will build the entire Uganda for all Ugandans, for now and for generations to come and also to build in s- mechanisms. We have to incorporate in-build or built-in mechanisms that will sense if a promise that is made is being broken or if there's a risk or if there's a even a small chance of our freedoms being tampered with again. So we have said so many times before that it is very dangerous to give powers to just one person and this will will, will go over this again but for today we just want to focus on the fact that what Museveni said there is so important at different levels He used the people's power and he made believe that they were doing it, they were the ones doing it for their own good. And he still needs that power up to now. And the people now need to withdraw that power. Museveni realizes that the people are withdrawing that power. That's why he's hanging into it. But we also need to be able to see through him because inside him is panicky because he knows he needs the people's power so we need to get very very organized and the crucial thing that i said finally was that we need right now to work out strategies that will let Museveni go but strategies that incorporate inbuilt mechanisms to make sure that we do not have any another dictator coming back into our country Now, before uh, we progress, uh, I would like to invite Bosco to give uh, uh, his observations. Bosco, you're welcome.
1: Um, uh, Thank you very much, Margaret, for those opening remarks and also for the great um, in-depth analysis of where Museveni was at the time and also where Museveni is at the time in relation to Uganda and Ugandans as well. I think it's quite remarkable, uh, that piece of clip, uh, uh, in relation to our discussion for this evening, which I thought, like, you know, Museveni obviously misunderstood the whole concept, which is so different from what we are doing now, totally different. And and I think he, 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 he used a very vulnerable people because, as I stated before, you know, when people's power is much more than what really other people really talk about, of being civil disobedience and so forth, which, by the way, we have to acknowledge events of the last two weeks being extremely, extremely, extremely tragic for Uganda and for the future of that country. We've stated before how bad things were, but I think the more we get into Museveni's regime, the worse things are beginning to really be very transparent for all to see, not only Ugandans but the entire world and I think also Ugandans have to recognise that at the moment we are the biggest laughing stock in the world open any newspaper, see the jokes they make about Ugandan because of what transpired there big jokers everywhere around the world Will become even subject to ridicule of some very powerful leaders in the world. Because they don't understand. When they compare to the way they conduct things, they just don't understand how and where Uganda is going with all this. I don't even think even Museveni understand where he's taking Uganda. I really don't. I don't know if some of you really do understand. I would love to hear what others have to say, where exactly Museveni is taking Uganda. I understand he wants to make it a middle income by 2020, which is just a few years away. But seeing the way things are, I don't think he can even achieve... Oh, he better still, he don't even know what he's talking about himself. And events of the last two weeks or so, we see two presidents literally being sworn in Uganda, one in defiance of what really happened and one claiming to have won when apparently perhaps it didn't win. No nation should really be subjected to this kind of malfunctioning or dysfunctionality, if you want to look at it that way. Because the whole process of democracy, as we said before, is not really an end in itself. It's a process. That entails a lot of other things. And normally, in most cases, it originates from a sense of good governance. And good governance has to have three legs. One of them is a government that is accountable. Another one is a government that is responsive. And the third leg is a government that is transparent. From 18th or even prior to 18th of February. Can anyone tell anybody where Uganda fitted in those three areas of governance? Nothing at all. So even if last week we see that literally, potentially two presidents are being sworn, the whole idea of good governance and and, and transparent way of doing things was to avoid those kind of scenarios. And there we go. Some people say the solution is I go and cheat. I go and, you know, buy voters. I, I intimidate them. I do all sorts of things to make it less responsive, to make it less transparent. And obviously that means you can't even be accountable for that country. And you see the consequences of it. Tragic. seven so was sworn last Thursday... Some of you must have watched the video clips of what transpired in Uganda and the body languages that were there. Right from arrival to Kololo and all the way to Munyono for so-called inauguration dinner. The body language says a lot. A lot. Nobody was happy. Some of you must have read some newspapers of really some people who covered it on the side to see exactly who were the people who went to Kololo airstrip to celebrate this thing. I understand rice was served with beef. Some people literally took themselves, perhaps they haven't eaten meat for a little while or beef for a little while. They went there just to get whatever they could get to go and feed their families or to feed themselves, have a feast for free. Cover was being sold as, 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 as they were going along. You know, just take as much as you want. Apparently the whole of, according to what I read, the whole of that area was covered in rice and leftover food and this and that. So whether it was a celebration or not, I don't really understand. I don't really understand. Because it was not really a celebrative mood for anybody, including the dignitaries. And that even led to others even walking out in protest. Because that was an area where what I would describe normally as the gallery of rogue was exposed to the rest of the world. You know, you, you see them sitting there, laughing away. But there was nothing really. The, Uganda was not in the mood of celebrating anything. So I don't know most of the people who filled that podium, whether they were there for a joining purpose, or they just went to have a feast for free and have a soda for free. They were being given for free so much money wasted when a hospital like Mulago hasn't got a machine for over 40,000 patients suffering from very serious illnesses. Their life hangs in the balance. Money squandered to celebrate something which nobody really celebrated. And the worst thing on that day was to see literally the bit that no nation can ever tolerate or even should accept as a people or as a form of governance is vile threats and abuse and I've seen that before some people literally followed you know they think that was the solution to Uganda's problem so first of all soldiers everywhere it looks like the place has just been liberated soldiers everywhere, people were scared out of their wits. I think even the guests said, whoa, what's this? Perhaps some of them even came for a laugh to see what the joke Uganda was. No wonder they had no smile in their face. They were just in horror. And you, you heard the president literally start blowing his trumpet, thumping his chest, and abusing even some of the guests who were there, who thought like, probably inside them they must have said, who are you to say we are useless or whatever we got compared to what you got in this country and the way you treat your people? They must have said that. That's why it's not for anyone to invite guests and start abusing when your house is just as filthy. And that's what Museveni exposed Ugandans to. And then the flight of Sukhoi, you see those planes, you know, we are strong. A third grade aircraft with no value to anybody to intimidate others to think he's all that strong and threatening, none but his people, the people he's supposed to guide and govern properly, look after properly. That's what we got. Going back to that clip that Margaret played or Voice of Uganda played early on and reflecting back on some of the topics that we've heard on this particular radio station, including one by Professor Mio Maratunu, who literally said, militarists have never been midwife to democracy. Some people thought maybe you could wiggle it away. Right from that clip, we're fighting for people, we're doing this and that. The solution is to blow up places and you know. Now, over 35 years ago, can any Ugandan tell me what has changed from that kind of mentality? including the vile threats that Museveni is offering to Ugandans as a way of governing them, scaring them. And like I explained before, once you threaten and you scare a people, they cease to function effectively. They stop. Everything literally stops. So how true is it that Museveni is going to offer a middle income by 2020? How is that possible? Because he himself, he can't do it. A few of them can't do it. It will require all of us to do it. And that is why people's power failed here and failed very miserably, according to Museveni's interpretation. Because people's power is all about politics and about maybe strategies how to deal with those issues, not affect a society, and also about social to change, things have to change. You can't just cling on it and, and, and intimidate. And even, you know, other countries normally find, you know, for, for instance, ta- Tanzania. How many of their former presidents came around there? Okay, look at Kenya. How many of maybe their former presidents came here? Or at least not the alone. I'm sure Kibaki was also there. Other nations, United States, United Kingdom, anywhere. You find the people and the opposition leaders also come to offer congratulations to the new incumbent in power in our situation, the other one is beaten around and thrown and thrown to a remote, a remote thing. the things that I understand the colonial powers used to do in the past. So from the colonial powers, how much is changed today? Nothing. So falling on what Margaret played there early on people's power, how much did Museveni and his cohorts did understand about people's power, about the need for social change? And that is where we are again now. He may have felt injustices during Obote's regime and he had to wage a war against him. I don't know why he did that, but you'd imagine he had his grievances to give him the benefit of the doubt. But when you look at the situation that he was at the time, can anyone tell me the grievances that Ugandans have got against him now? i not to use people's power as well. So he's literally boxed himself back to all people who he accuses of the, in the past of failing a society. But again, he thought he had a vision. 30 years down the line, nothing Uganda is worse off than 30 years ago. Nothing, you know. So in terms of people's power, I think we need to be extremely, 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 extremely careful. It has to belong to them. It can't be either way or you can just use and manipulate. And people have been duped in the past. Personally, I wouldn't be duped now. If you can't explain to me clearly how certain things are going to be executed to save the face of the nation and the suffering in there, personally, I wouldn't be interested. A lot of people wouldn't be interested in it because of what Museveni did, abuse of something that was so vital for humanity. So now if you to govern by vile threat, where can Uganda go? Is that all about governance? Like I said, it's thrown Uganda back to the 15th century, the Troy Dynasty or whatever it was called at the time. Feudal, barbaric. and you just enslave a people. Something he used in that clip as well. So should we accept to be enslaved? You know, the question still comes. So I think on, when, whichever way one looks at it, where we are, it's not a very good place for a nation to be. And whichever way one looks at it, Uganda cannot be left in this current state, full stop. It can't, it can't. Because as I said before, it will not be able to move forward. And as Professor Mobiru literally mentioned two weeks ago, some of these problems are very mutating as well. They create all sorts of other failures Right from the top to the very fabric of the nation. Families even fall apart. Everything falls apart. So, in this kind of state, someone would just say, well, 70 is 71 now or 72, whatever his age is. You know, the next election, he cannot stand because the constitution says so. With that kind of attitude, what is there to reassure me or you? that is not going to vandalize the constitution again, approaching that time. He's done it. If there was anything that he could have done that reassures at least Ugandans and the world at large, I'd like to believe it. But nobody can to date come and tell me exactly what Museveni has ever achieved in his entire 72 years of age apart from brutality, extreme form of brutalities. And what has changed today? Not much. So even friends of Uganda, to see Uganda literally being squandered of this kind of manner, it poses very significant moral and ethical values. Though within international politics, people don't like to talk about morality. They talk about morality only when they want to legitimize other means. To achieve their objective. That is a sad reality of international politics, so long as it doesn't affect them. But as I explained before, when a nation fails, or is beginning to fail in such a manner, it poses a threat to everybody else. So where, where does Uganda go from now? At the moment, Uganda still haven't decided We're trying, and a few others, I heard Professor Kushimboze talk early on unity and ways how to overcome some of the challenges and how people can, but, you know, all those are very important on the way forward. Those are encouraging remarks that, you know, Ugandans can literally take on board on this journey. It's going to be a treacherous journey because Museveni has literally told you He's got his Sikoy, he's got his soldiers, anyone who messes around is going to be smashed. In other words, you might as well forget about any democratic dispensation. MPs can sit in Parliament and draw their allowance. That is fine, because that is what he wants, to keep mouths shut. But other than that, they won't be able to achieve any meaningful kind of polity that can lead the country forward. But in reflection to what we're talking about, we're talking about a, a new form of maturity in politics, a maturity that can allow for sustainable politics. Can anyone tell me how sustainable Museveni's one is? Because he pulls it all the short. You know, even the courts, everything in Uganda is literally being broken up by this kind of attitudes. So Uganda has been thrown, instead of running a fairly modern state, or at least maybe even by now should be post-modern, Uganda has been thrown back to pre-modern, which is normally very feudal and has and got all sorts of, uh, basically it's a zone of chaos. Everything goes and everything falls apart. Because we neglected those kind of powers that we should have. And the solution that is applying is literally, I frighten them, I intimidate them, I bribe them, I do this and that. Those are not solutions at all. They're not. You only postpone a problem and sometimes even really, really make a bad situation from bad to worse. And those are the kind of things that people say, oh, well, it's a solution to a problem. Locking up, arresting Kisabesige, locking up, charging, you know, it's a solution. You had Professor Mio Maratono and Professor Mubiru Musoke mention here Dr. Kizabesuje was just an embodiment of the struggle, the symbol of it. So even if you lock him up, charge him with treason, how is that supposed to solve some of the problems that we're seeing right across the country? I don't think it will do much at all. So Uganda has to go back to the drawing board again and draw all their powers again. But this time it will be done very differently, I would imagine. But at the end of it, Uganda should be able to achieve, or at least try to achieve, what I up earlier on as a very sustainable policy, the one that everybody can literally see the benefit of it. Some of us may not recover because the damage that has been inflicted in Uganda for the last 30 years or so is not going to be erased probably in the next 30 years. It might be too late for some of us. But at least the beauty of it is that all of us will begin to see a remarkable difference in the way things are done. As if that is not good enough, if we embark on that journey and then get our power back to start working out very affirmatively with practical solutions, a solution that we, we really, really mean. It's not just a question of writing it down and say, "Okay, this is policy A, this is policy B, and we need to. If you don't mean it, just like our constitutions have been vandalized, it doesn't mean anything. You know, like, like Margaret said, you, some of them speak very good English, perfect. And you think they're going to deliver everything, but they end up delivering nothing. Because they didn't mean it. One time I sat with a member of parliament in Uganda and he was telling me all sorts of things and say how intellectual. He nearly took off my shoulder, nudging me to tell to remind me how intellectual he was. I don't know which book he read. But if you ask him the application of it, how it can be applied in Ugandan situation, he didn't have a clue, too. He didn't have a clue. So whatever we talk about, we need to start feeling a very deep inside feeling first. Because when it comes to drafting it as a policy or as a contract in the way we want it to be governed, we all quite understand it very clearly. Because even when it comes to constitution now, some people don't even they, they, apparently constitution 1995 constitution is meant to be good. I haven't read it all, but it's meant to be very good. But if it's very good, why is the country literally falling apart the way it is? Why are people not following it? You know, so did they understand it? Did they just pull a book and write a constitution? Nobody understands it on the rules of it. It beats any logic. So I hope as we kind of move forward, we start literally paying particular attention into literally things that can be sustainable, because the constitution was supposed sustainability and a very organised way of governing a people. But on the rule of power, so like I talked before, power, you know, or maybe the force, like Museveni is meting now, it ends up being very illegal. And the reason why it's illegal, because he hasn't got that legitimacy. Power and legitimacy go hand in hand. Very important you to remember this, because forced without legitimacy, you're just looking for chaos. And that is what Museveni is doing currently. And as Margaret said, authority over, you know, everything starts crumbling Like I said before, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And legitimacy, just as much as well without force, can be easily overthrown. But I talked about this in the past where legitimacy is on one side, authority is on the other side, and cohesion is on the other side. But legitimacy is so important in this kind of thing. So at the moment, Uganda is struggling with issues of legitimacy at a level that can literally blow up the country into pieces because some people decided to say, well, this is the solution that can be applicable to Uganda's problem, and that is cheating, telling lies, and brutalising people using illegal means, detention without trial, legally, brutalising everybody, and even threatening. I've never had any head of state in the modern world who blatantly comes and threatens their nation. I've never... If anyone knows anyone who comes, maybe David Cameron, I've never heard Cameron say that. He'd never do that either. He'd be impeached the next day. Same as the United States. You don't threaten your citizens. You don't. Because that is not why you are there. So or, or why is Museveni there threatening people? You know. So as I said before, the issues that are involved here are quite complex. Uh, and, and, and I think Museveni is literally towing a very dangerous area which will literally not be very, very helpful for the country to move forward. And I think thumb-chesting as well, I, 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 I've seen some who did the same. A good example was Bagbo of Ivory Coast, who had a solution to a problem, but he missed the solution and swapped it for problems. And even he threatened his people, by the way, with helicopters and everything. And those helicopters were literally blown up in the the middle of the runway. Some of you know that story very well. And by the time they finished with Bagbo, apparently he he was lucky to have survived, but apparently he doesn't leave his Bible. He must have read it about four or five times by now, the whole Bible. So it's not a very good and very healthy area to threaten a people, the people who are supposed to be under your guidance. And I think Ugandans is failing miserably about that. And we need to rectify that. Because otherwise, he, he, all the cream, the people who are supposed to guide the nation forward, the educated elite, everybody, they just, fall, they just fall apart. Because you can't use the knowledge that you've acquired to look after the people. Because someone says, I know it all. And you do as they tell you. Or no in other way. You can't do that. And a lot of Ugandans literally are freaking. So even at a particular point as we go along, Ugandans need to understand and do understand people who are in the front line there. They have jobs, they got families to feed, and this and that. And they could do a good job. But because of those kind of vile threats, the kind of very poor mode of governance, which, as I said in the past, very primitive, literally... What can they do? For some of us outside, you've got a choice. For them in Uganda, they haven't got a choice. They have to put up with it. But for how long? And I'm sure there's a lot of discontent. And as I stated before, normally once that legitimacy is too low, it's like a tongue. Uganda at the moment, it literally is, it's, it's the very thought that not be left in that kind of format. It just cannot. So first of all, before we take any further action... I would imagine that all of us have to reflect very deeply, very deeply based on how other people have corned you power before and literally duped you before, done all sorts of things and only to end up getting up there and throwing everything back in your face. And you're back to square one, squealing with pain, families to feed, going hungry, hospitals, broken, everything literally in pieces. So I hope Ugandans can reflect, and that is why people's power are very important. And my finishing remark for this half bit is just, as as Mando did say, we have to be careful how we hand those powers. You have to be very careful. Let them come with something much more beefy, something that you feel, they have to have a very powerful persuasion as to really what it will entail and how much you can contribute towards, towards them. And also, you know, the issue of a transitional period, because 30 years of this kind of mode of governance is very difficult for any nation. Personally, I think very few people will be actually bold enough to say, well, I'll take on into my hand and I alone can manage the problems of Uganda. I think that would be suicidal. that would be fatal, because the society has been so much battered and fragmented that they need to have some form of at least organizing kind of principle, again, around them, to bring them together in unison, but with a clear and deeper understanding on the diversity, understanding of each other, at least, you know, that this country is the only one they've got. And they work to build that. But the way... He not did it was the opposite way. But again, he spent most of his time being a military. Anyway, I wouldn't expect him to do any better. So total disappointment at the moment for the country. But we should not be very pessimistic. We should be very optimistic, and I think some of the views that are coming up in different programs and voices, and, and the support that the, the Ugandans are getting from the rest of the world, I can see literally a brighter future. But the ownership, literally, and the hard work will depend on how we transition from now onwards to the future. So Margaret, I'll leave it there for now, and I come back in the second day afterwards. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you our listeners. That, uh, it's best that we take a break at this time. Uh, get a cup of tea and then we'll come back when we come back and then we'll proceed with the second half of our program today. Um, what is happening in, in our country is tragic. So have a cup of tea, come back and then uh, do join us after the break and we'll proceed with our discussion. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Hello and welcome back. Uh, I am Margaret Akelopio uh, together with Bosco Nyeko uh, on Voice of Uganda Radio uh, on our program Redeeming Our Motherland Uganda this Sunday. Uh, we, before we went on the break, uh, Bosco was giving uh, um, his heartfelt observations about uh, what happened recently in our country. What is happening in our country, dear Ugandans and friends of Uganda, is tragic. What is happening in our country is tragic. Essentially, we are people who are being suppressed and oppressed. Right now, there is even no pretense about the oppressor. He's not even pretending. He's standing up egotistically. He's standing up like he's the most powerful being in the entire universe. And that is what Bosco was talking about. And yet, when you look at it, what is happening to our children, to us, to our systems, the systems that begins with every cell in our body, what is happening... We cannot even begin to fathom. But as we said last week. It's just led to the compounding. The increased compounding of the problems. That we Ugandans have experienced. And will continue to experience. So really and truly. What is happening in our country. Is really and truly tragic. Anybody can say that. Uganda has gone through problems in the past. But you need to realize the methods that Museveni is using to destroy us. The psychological, the emotional, the mental, the, the environmental, the, all those things that go to the fundamentals of our very being. Those are the methods he is using and has used for years over years now to destroy us. Now, if we Ugandans cannot wake up and see what is happening to our country, the depth and breadth of it, and really realize what the solution ought to be, because right now, to, to a large extent, Ugandans are waking up, we have woken up, we have seen that there are problems. But, like we said in the past program, some of Uganda's problems you cannot see with the naked eye. Only, only specialists who probably even have like the gadgets, like the scientists, could, if, if they examined Ugandans now, could tell you the depth of the, the impacts of what Museveni has done to us. And all this will compound into the future. Now, we need to put an end to this. Bosco, before we went on the break, said, Uganda cannot be left in this current state. Uganda cannot be left in this current state. If only we could understand the depth and breadth let our psychologists, let our scientists let, tell us, educate us, let us wake up to the realities of what Museveni has done to that nation. When you have a people, now people are going to look for uh, little crumbs of food to sell. When you, you have something like somebody said, somebody took a knife and because there was no way to deliver the child and cut the, the, the wife. The wife died. All these kind of things. The impacts are so great. And why am I saying this? Because the people's power can help in providing long-lasting solutions to our problems. Right now, it's only the people's power. But again, as we saw or we heard from that clip, by Museveni, the people's power can be used for good and can be used for bad. Right now, I remember Bosco said this so many times when we started our program, that if you don't know what a bent tree is, if you, if you don't know what a straight tree or twig looks like, how will you know what a bent one looks like? So we now have a point of reference. We have seen how a use of people power for bad, where it's taken us. Now we need to change that and use the people, people's power for good. The people's power can help in providing long-lasting solutions to our problems. There are actions that have achieved this. We are not unique. We are not the first country to go under such dictatorship and terrors. Other countries have come out of it. And Bosco can explain a little bit more about other countries that have come out of it. And we need practical um, solutions. We need to know what we want. We want a Uganda where everything is distributed equally. Like in the the days of Obote, we said that as well dispensaries were distributed over the country roads all over the country a country where no no particular person or individuals or groups are treated as second or third class citizens we want a human rights approach to prevail and complete respect of the diversity of all these what we have the givens that we come with everybody is unique we can't be the same and we cannot expect to be treated in the same way we have to have our differences appreciated respected and facilitated we cannot have any shortcuts if we want to change the situation in our country for the better we need to have a grand strategy a plan and this it is not going to happen, dear Ugandans and friends of Uganda. We are not going to be able to utilize our powers effectively unless we start to care about Uganda as a whole. Unless each and every Ugandan starts to first and foremost care about themselves and about the groups, the family, the groups and the entire Uganda. That's the way it's going to be. The individual starts to care about Uganda as a whole. We are not going to succeed because it's it's Museveni came up because he wants not. I think as somebody who cared about the people to the point where you want to give himself or his, his ambitions. That's how he patched it. And the people bought it. It's, this is your war. It's the People, you are the ones who are telling us to do this. We are not doing this on our own initiative. That's what he did. After this, this is your program, we're going to have this uh, po- on podcast. Please li- listen to it again, or if you can find what, listen to what Museven is saying. Museveni did not come as somebody who wanted power for himself. He was very clever in that way. He packaged himself very neatly and made it appear So, unless we, each and every individual, starts to care about Uganda as a whole and even if we can't have 100% of Ugandans caring about Uganda as a whole, if a great majority of us do And we insist on having in place systems and procedures with built-in safeguards and sensors, alarm bells that will ring if a, a dictator is about to spring up. We are not going to have a good chance. We need to give ourselves and our future generations a chance. We, the present generation, we are... Here alive at a time when Uganda is standing very education. And it's telling totally us squarely right now, Ugandans who are alive right now, whether you like it or not, the responsibility, the duty of restoring peace, stability, respect, mutual respect, love, compassion, understanding. In Uganda, he's falling squarely on our shoulders. Because at the moment he's being handed to us on a silver plate. Museveni has messed big time. But we are not going to achieve anything if we do not transcend the petty, petty things that divide us. If we do not transcend individual ambitions. Even, even it will shock you. At least it shocked me to realize that even when we are faced with all this tragedy in our country, when you are requesting, saying to people, let's come together, let's focus on what is important, there are people, you think that they are educated, you think that they would understand what is going on, they are still saying, oh no, we can't do that, we can't sign any papers because we need to do that. we can't do this, what is so difficult about wanting prosperity for all Ugandans what is so difficult about that what can't anybody see that Ugandan children are dying that Ugandan children are dying of malnourishment in a rich and wealthy country what is so difficult to see what is so difficult to see we the Ugandans who are alive right now who are old enough the responsibility is squarely on our shoulders because right now the universe, the Almighty, Allah, whatever name you, you like, has given is giving us this on a silver plate. But we are also being shown right now that unless we start thinking right, unless we start feeling right for ourselves and for everybody, it's not going to happen. That's what is what is happening right now. So we need to transcend. practical. We practically. We need to demonstrate to our people that we care. We need to focus on solutions whatever we are designing right now to move Uganda forward has to have in field procedures for acquiring Basic, for people to acquire basic needs food shelter these are the things we need in our country we need to have strategies to move forward from now and we need to come together as a people We need to come together on matters of fundamental interest in our country. We need to be putting aside those things that divide us. Party politics, religion, our our, um, our tribe, as we as we we are called. All those words that are used to describe us. We are all Ugandans but let us not be fooled that anybody who is going to say these words is going to mean that So this is where the people power is very very important and has the potential to bring long lasting change uh, positive change in our country and this is exactly what Bosco said when uh, uh, a few weeks back um, Professor Mio Maratuno and Professor Mubiru Musoke issued a call to solidarity and a recognition of uh, Dr. Kiza Besige as a symbol by the embodiment of the entire process. And, and, and mark those words. It is a symbol, not the embodiment. But the important thing right now is that we need to really reflect on that because Kisa is just one man, but the people, the power comes from each and now what we have to recognize the importance of our power and we start organizing ourselves, transcending all those little things that divide us, we realize that the incarceration of one man does not mean the end of our struggle. And this is the message we need to send to Museveni very, very clearly. Museveni knows that we are not Recognizing our power sufficiently, enough to be able to organize ourselves. If you have all the millions of Ugandans organizing themselves and coming with the strength of uh, with, the, with the strength to move our country uh, uh, to uh, to a better uh, position, he would you would realize that in Kasareti, one man, Kizza is nothing. And this is what we need to make Museveni realize we need to get organized to the point where imprisoning one person does not mean much. It happened. Nelson Mandela was one person he led by example he stayed in prison but the people continued to march on to march on to march on to march on that's what happened and this is what we need right now but to move on dear Ugandans and friends of Uganda first and foremost, we have to let go of government, political parties, political beliefs, or all those other things that divide us, like in the, like individuals' religious affiliations, like the re- region we come from. I'm um, from north. I'm from south. We just simply have to let go. We have to unite on matters of fundamental importance to our country that cannot be compromised. After all, I am speaking to you right now. I am in the United Kingdom. Bosco is speaking to you now. He is in the United Kingdom. All the other speakers, we are in Ugandans, are in Australia. Ugandans are in the United States of America. We're in Denmark what I'm saying now about individual transcending uh, little things that divide people that's why they are having stability in that country. So why can't we wherever we are in the world transcend this and come together let's find a way of coming together. Let's find a way so that Throwing messages in prison is nothing. What this will mean, dear Ugandans and friends of Uganda, is that we are taking back our power. And what this means is that we need to retain our power. We need to retain our power. And then also we take that logical next step. The next step is when each and every Ugandan realizes that he and she has the power, and in the last week and the previous week, we outlined the sources of our, the nature of our power. The nature of our power is comes from the natural intelligence or God Allah, whatever name is called. Nobody gives you your life, those powers. We outline that power that attitudes our economic power as well as political power. Just individual hands. Not in my mouth. The voice isn't be talking. Nobody gives me that. born with them nature gives me that and so so are you and and those are what we use to 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 produce uh, to grow to all all these things that we have but the other side of that is that we need to be live in a certain way in order for us to be able to exist and live uh, optimally and make good decisions and we also said that those um, uh, powers are enshrined in the laws and in international national laws and international laws and instruments. So, if we take that now as that each and every individual has the powers that they are born with, that is also included in, in laws, in the natural and in, uh, national and international laws, then we also need to take it to the next step, uh, even when it comes to our government we must have in best governing system that enables us to retain those powers we the individuals it's not this question of symbolic retention of power where you hand your powers over to an individual and then the individual will suppress you as in life that we, this word democracy i would like us in the next program to look at the word democracy in more depth. Because I'm afraid that again. We might be throwing words around. Without actually knowing what we're saying. And then you know what. When we again go through all these difficult times. And we move. Muse- Muse- Museveni moves out. And then we have another government. We are going to end up in the same position. We are going to be mistaking problems. And we think they are solutions. The word democracy. We will need to let And right now we need to start mixing the concrete for our country. We need to start selling ingredients for the concrete, for the foundation, for our country. We need to start selecting new ingredients for the foundation. And we need to start mixing the concrete. We need to start laying the foundation. And the foundation at each and every stage, we must make sure there are fairly safe safeguards. We Ugandans who are alive right now, it stands where responsibility, duty and responsibility is on our shoulders to build a better Uganda for now and for generations to come. We can't escape that. It's handed to us on a silver plate right now. I often quote the book by Pro- um, somebody Proctor who uh, is called The Science of Growing Rich. He says, if you can see wealth behind the rubble, you will get rich. Right now, Uganda might seem like it's in rubbles, But if we Ugandans can see the opportunity that lies in this rubble and behind it. Honestly, my fellow countrymen, can't we just do one thing and for one single moment look at each other straight in the eyes and see the beauty that lies in the eyes, the pupils, the eyes, that eyes of each and every Ugandan and start having compassion, start having empathy, start having understanding, start having really grasping what is necessary for us to do for those children who are starving, for those mothers who are suffering for those old people who are suffering. Can't we simply do that? But surely even those who just want to line their pockets, if our country was prosperous don't you think you'd have enough to live on? don't you think it would be better than living the way we're living now begging from Museveni? can't we Ugandans transcend all these little things and come together and work the betterment of our country so that it becomes so obvious to me that there is no point even throwing Bresige in in jail anyway because everybody is another Bresige or even better and the combination of us all of us working for one Uganda is what we should be aspiring to right now with those remarks Bosco Please, I invite you to give your observations. Thank you to all of you, our listeners, and to Voice of Uganda Radio. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you very much again, yeah. Margaret. Uh, I think you literally uh, touched on a number of issues. And I think, um, um, I remember sometime back last year, I think we did cover on qualities of leadership. And, um, I think one of my remarks was, um, um, what I termed as, uh, bad leadership versus good leadership and the qualities that are required. I think we recover, we cover that at length. But it looks like here, you know, with people's power and the power that was really, um, squandered off, uh, with, um, sevenist regime starting from maybe the early 80s. Obviously, it becomes quite clear that this was a very puffed up uh, posture um, that was uh, much more focused on raw power itself than, than, than anything else. And it becomes quite very clear because um, those are some of the things that Uganda literally has um, come to deeply understand uh, and, 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 and get to know him a lot more. And um, above all, I think um, you can see those kind of qualities of leadership after 30 years, you know, sitting over declining social, a very deteriorating um, um, social condition of the country, health service, um, educational, just name it, infrastructure, everything crumbling. And it, it, you find that the, the, those kind of bad leadership, they're normally very partial to blame shifting. If you notice that, I don't know whether Ugandans uh, have noticed that. Uh, they're normally very partial to blame shifting and, and, and hypocrisy as well. They're very hypocritical, you know. And, and normally when something goes wrong, it's always this. And when you listen to all Museveni speak, you know, he's always blaming something after something after something. And it's been there for over 30 years give it another five years, Ugandans literally will be, if it was a song, would be number one. And that partly explains why a lot of people now find, it's become so common in terms of his policies and, and, and so forth. And I think there's one issue also with um, um, so-called policies. I hear a lot about policies and this and that. But as I stated early on, you know, uh, good policies that clash with a very... Um, uh, 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 sort of like a very twisted political norms. If, if, if I, I hope I, I make sense there, uh, it, it, it is, it is very unlikely to get Uganda very far. Because if you find a political norm that is literally very sort of very funny, very bizarre, yeah, uh, and you can draft very good policies, when the two clash, it doesn't work. As simple as that. So Uganda can come up with good... However good policies Uganda will ever come... So long as you got that political structure in a very dysfunctional kind of formation like you got in Uganda, you might as well throw those policies in the bin because they will not work. It cannot work. Good policies can only be complemented with a very good set of political norms. And, 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 and also it's just like about governance. If I may just add a little bit about governance... Yeah, it's it's not simply about the choice and implementation of, of of policies, like you hear Museveni was saying uh, on Thursday. Yeah, uh, but it's it's more about political sustainability. So policies again, you know, is if if you haven't got political sustainability, it doesn't matter what kind of policies you've got. It, it, it clashes so badly that it, that it it just zero out. In fact, it falls into a negative formation because it cannot work. It cannot, it, the two are not, they don't complement each other, too. So I think Ugandans need to understand. So, so in terms of what Museveni has reduced Uganda to, as I stated earlier, it's an area that Uganda cannot be left in a It will do so much destruction to that nation. And the destruction has already happened anyway. Because even if Uganda was to move to the next, just the first point that Uganda, that's why these kind of programs are very important, is how we view things. I don't see, I can go and come up with all sorts of things that Uganda can do. But if we view things in a different way and, 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 and we don't understand the significance and the importance of, of this nation in relations to ourselves and also internationally, it, it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. And that that would not be part of the solution Uganda should be looking forward to. And also, you know, in terms of partnership with others, Uganda is going to need that immensely. But as you've seen, the president now is beginning to know that maybe some people or former friends are not very happy with him, is quick to hold abuses at him. That is not very helpful. not very helpful. So I hope, you know, um, these are people who've given you money. In fact, they've helped Museveni so much in the last 30 years. And the very reason why he's there is because they helped him. They shouldered him from all sorts of things, according to information that is coming up now. But to turn around and say, well, so do you guys. I, I'm moving to the next place because you guys want to come and recolonize us or wherever. And yet, as part of the solution, he said, I've got new friends now called the Russians and, 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 and the Chinese. So, it's what normally I think would fall under what you call new colonialism by invitation, that kind of thing. But nobody is really, I don't see any sign that any country is more into colonizing another country. Those are, it's, it's, it's not there in a sense. But, however, what I find very significant in the relationship between, you know, pre modern states, as I call Uganda, that is not evolved yet politically, it's not much. Politically, that, that abuses people who they should be working hand in hand, obesity, and the rest of the opposition, yeah, in, in collaboration to nations who have gone because, say, Western Europe, UK for instance, has gone like what you may call even post-modernism. So they've gone way post it you know. They, they've got established sets and norms and values that, that, that you know, and, and it's very much respected worldwide. When the two literally meet. they clash quite a lot they clash quite a lot that's why Museveni is entering a really very dangerous tough, you know, because some of the values that these people attach to certain things is quite detached from what Museveni may view, so I find, you know the abuse that Museveni is literally hurling at Western countries, I think is unwanted, is unnecessary they've done nothing wrong, they've supported you and they really want Uganda to progress, and they've done so much for Uganda to progress, and to see Uganda retrogressing at such an alarming rate They have to say something, and it's a good advice that a friend can give you. I'd rather have a friend like that who can advise, don't go this way, go this way. As opposed to those who come and dance to me like they did on Thursday without saying, hey, our friend, things are not very good. Where are the rest of the people you should be working with to build this nation? They should have questioned that. I I, I prefer those who tell me at least. As opposed to those who just come and dance with me and say, "Oh, they came to see uh, how bad your house or how filthy your house is some some, some may do that you, you never know you know or just, just stretch my leg to Uganda because there 's a do out there, some may have done that as well, so you find all these kind of things Ugandans is to fall under this kind of category at the moment and because of the manner in which Museveni is running the country and I think the rest of the world is so pitiful of Uganda at the moment that is Ugandans to come together and have one voice, we've had enough. Because, as I said, you know, yes. or oh, Professor did mention, you know, mil- militaries are not a midwife to democracy. So if Ugandans come and say, we cannot have this form of governance in our country, we want it out and gone with one voice, and don't fragment yourself into the role of political parties, literally, I don't see it anymore, because Museveni has literally reverted back to pre-1980. So it's just an NRM and NRA is now just one. But all political parties, as far as it's concerned, is done and dusted with. Because tell me which other political parties now in Uganda, if you can treat even a leader of FDC, who's got a very huge number of followers, and probably Won the election as well. You treat him in that manner. You can imagine, you really, where does that leave FDC? UPC don't even talk about it. DP, you know, all other parties have been literally obliterated. So now we're back to one party state and threatening everybody with Isikoi and soldiers in the street. Like I said, this kind of behavior is not sustainable, and I think the world needs to open a little bit more to understand what is going on there. And I think events of last week literally exposed Uganda a lot, and there's a lot of sympathy outside there. And I hope Ugandans can galvanize those kind of sympathy and work in a formation. But you have to come up with something that can have a political sustainer, a vision. At least you have to feel inside you. Because the beauty of doing that, so that when you get in there, you, we can at least have a social contract, which would be like a set of pinning kind of um, a relationship that governs us between the rulers and the rule so that you don't really be duped or subjected to this kind of horrendous abuse that Uganda is undergoing at the moment. I really feel sorry for people who work for the regime, because they're going to be tainted with this for a very sustainable period of time. Like I mentioned before, when this regime comes out, others will say what happened. And that is why people who really work you can really have to understand them in, in, in as much as they can uh, that you know it's not their fault as well they just were caught up in in, in this kind of um, um a very puffed up you know posture as as leadership and 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 you know have at least some form of you know, a reconciliation, that's why Professor Mubiro has talked at length about the importance of truth and reconciliation and so forth. Uganda is going to need all these kind of things to move affirmatively. So it's not a question that someone literally come and jump and then say, well, you know, uh, I can stop the mess here. It's going to require, like Margaret said, all of us to literally pull our sleeves up and do our best and avoid situation that culminates into this kind of thing that Uganda is going to. It's so expensive to rectify the problem. But now, a lot of people will say, you, "You can talk like that, you can we can say all these kind of things, and people have talked about these kind of issues, what I is there to do now, you know, as a way forward. But, like, I would still insist, educate and educate yourself, understand these things so that once you start making that move, to make that change, you know exactly what you're going to be doing. The, the assumption that when Museveni grows, everything will be okay and lovely, rosy Like I stated before, Museveni has disconnected a lot of things. It's disconnected a lot of things. And, and there's a lot of anger that I've spoken to some people. You know, people are so angry to the point where... I, I really worry. And that is why part of this can educate Ugandans to understand that anger and hate cannot really solve our problem. It's not a solution to our problem. Okay, That that would only make the situation worse. So we need to, at this particular point in time, educate ourselves on what needs to be, the steps that need to be done. And then the quality of leadership, not the posturers. Those are dangerous because at the end of the day, they they, 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 they they can they can end up being very destructive through this process as well. But you can always catch them in how they present their side of the story. They never listen anyway. That's the first sign that, you know, you just know that something is not doing right here. So as you kind of move, I hope that they can find those who can listen. They can sit down and talk about a lot of other things. And these are people, there are many of them. There are many, I've met so many of them with very great clear vision on how to govern the country and move the country out of the quagmire that is in at the moment. But the opportunity hasn't arrived yet, and I don't blame them so much for that, that opportunity has not arrived, because normally when you find regimes that operate on this level, with such kind of extreme um, um, violence it, 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 it does so much damage to individuals like Margaret has stated. It does so much. The way they look at, the way they do their thing is very difficult for them to organize so quickly to counter that uh, the, the brutalities that is being meted on them. So Ugandans will go through multiple phases but I hope that at LV, Ugandans literally will have a very solid kind of formation and then start working on really a very affirmative set of you know action with a deeper understanding which they need to feel first before signing documents or or negotiating this and that so you just have to work through that and I think Ugandans are very much capable of doing that at the moment after seeing the other side of literally giving away their power anyhow to anybody so all these things are on the table and I hope you know Ugandans literally have the sky is the limit for them But in terms of solutions as well, there are many countries that literally followed Uganda's path. And this is really my worry, that a lot of them literally did that, you know, and say, well, I will apply certain kind of measures to suppress people as a solution to the problem. And others will say, maybe it's best you leave the person who is perpetrating the problem to stay in there, because otherwise, if you pull him out, then there can be problem. I think those are very fatal kind of um, thinking that is not going to be very helpful for the country. Because simply, if the person is the one that is causing a lot of ill to the country, at any point it should be clear that time will come when he has to go. Whether it will be literally maybe taken out, extracted by force or through nature or whatever, you never know. But if that vacuum ever occurs, it's a very dangerous area for any nation to be in, very dangerous. Because as I stated, it would have connected a lot of things. And, and, and I remember with the case of Saddam Hussein, you know, he was found in his spider hole with a bell of chocolate, though complaining of toothache. You know, but at the end of the day, we're still saying I'm the president of Iraq, but you know, the game was up. But as you can see, what happened in Iraq, it, it literally pulverized, you know, the whole country. And and when things like that normally happen, it doesn't matter what you throw inside there. Like Iraq has seen trillions of dollars go in there. Has it solved the problem? No. i seen huge amount of weapons go in there. Has it solved the problem? No. Because the problem, literally the solution for it, which is very, very easy and practical, is exactly what we are doing here. Free of charge. Sacrifice two hours every Sunday to talk about it. So, you know, the communicative action can perform such a wonderful kind of um, um, uh, remedy to have, or, or part of the solution to problems that these kind of regimes, you know, perpetrate around their country. Very important. Same thing happened to countries like Libya. They they, they didn't have this kind of discussion and they thought, you know, the removal of Gaddafi would literally solve everything. But look where it is. And and and, and I, I don't know, their future is very bleak. I mean, same as when you look at countries like Ivory Coast, as I said, Ivory Coast, they say, don't do this and that, refrain from this, follow good governance and so forth. But no, others will say, I do this and abuse this and this and that. As I said, by the time they finish with Mr. Bagbo and Mrs. Bagbo, they're very pitiful of themselves now when they reflect back what you know could have happened. Simple thing again talking like this, so threats and, 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 and intimidation and violence and this and that, normally they're they, 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 they not the foundation of a very civilised society they're not, they can't offer a, 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 that foundation but one of the biggest things that offers this kind of civilization is the kind of things that we're talking about so you have, we, ha, we all have a deeper understanding on how we can solve a problem Other countries have literally come over it. A lot of them are found in South America. Uh, South America, literally most of those countries suffered immensely, you know, in the 70s uh, and early 80s, or even, well, up to late 80s, I would imagine a few of them. But you can see a lot of them have made, they've literally turned the clock round. If you look at them, they had paramilitaries like Uganda has. They got all sorts of political violence and this and that. Argentina is one of them where so many people were murdered. And, and and people's power literally worked. And the story is actually wonderful because it was a football team that literally toppled the regime. So people just went to a stadium and and, 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 and people knew their power and this and that and it all started from there and you know and they made a huge transformation of Argentina today. Another one is 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 literally um, the Philippines as we talked about. I know time is running out, but Philippines also made remarkable recovery. Actually, there's a president that has just been voted in. I think um, um, maybe next month or the month after he's going to be sworn in. But compared to where Ferdinand Marcos who was in power when Museveni came to power as well. You know, the Philippines has seen, I think, nearly about four or five different presidents as well. But they had a terrible dictator by the name of Ferdinand Macros. And again, he had bribery, vote rigging, the full set like Museveni. No difference at all. Until people's power literally rose and they said, no, we're not going to go this way, and we need a pro democratic processes that can govern our country, and this is how we want to be governed. And they've managed very well, though they've got a lot of challenges, but they are doing remarkably well compared to Uganda. And actually, it was the Americans that literally intervened and helped and put, actually, Ferdinand Marcos in a helicopter and flew him to Guam Air Base and from there transferred him to Hawaii, where he later died in exile. And the wife was just, you know, as expensive as, you know, some of those corrupt officials' wives and had apparently about, up to about 3,000 pairs of shoes at one point. So, remarkable story there. Ugandans can literally reflect. So, the many examples that you can, mostly, as I said, in South America, and also in the Philippines, this gives you insight on how those countries came about. But different countries will have different kind of scenario how to handle their situation. But I think Ugandans should not be pessimists, but they should be very optimistic. But they need to understand how they can use this power to overcome the challenges that they have. Margaret, I know I've got still a lot to say, but I think we've run out of time. I saved some for next Sunday. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us this evening as well, our distinguished listeners. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Bosco. Um, our listeners, uh, what is happening in our country is tragic, but it can be done. Right now, we have two key things in our hands: having Museveni lead power. That's number one. Getting Museveni out of power in Uganda, that's number one. And number two, redeeming the country. In other words, dealing with all the issues that we have in our country. Now we have to kill those so many birds with one stone that need to do we can kill all those many birds, removing Museveni from power in fact redeeming our motherland which entails removing Museveni from power and also uh, dealing with all the problems that have compounded since and especially more so in the last 30 years of Museveni's um, uh, regime but to do that we need to be we should right now we said we need to start sourcing out the ingredients for the concrete to lay the strong foundation for the future Uganda for, for the Uganda for now and for the future generations. It's imperative. There are no two ways about it. I don't think that uganda is ever going to see the chance that we are seeing right now in uganda if we ugandans miss this chance it's going to be very tough so let's solve that and what we need now is a vision for all ugandans and what we need the solution the solution that we are going to have if we are going to design any solution along party lines that Is going to be a problem, not a solution. If we are not going to uh, respect the diversity, the different people in in, in Uganda, whatever that solution, what we think is a solution, that's going to be a problem, not a solution. Even to uh, have opportunity for all, and it's going to be a problem, not a solution. So the solution that we need right now is. To come together, transcend all everything, uh, all the divisions, anything that causes division. Come together. We need to a plan, or contrary, within need to Thank you very, very much for listening. We will continue uh, our discussions on the people power and the various elements of the people power next week. But for now. Let us not waste time. Let us take the necessary action. Let us make a conscious decision to transcend the differences and come together and build our country. That's our plea to you. That's our appeal to you and to all of us Ugandans and friends of Uganda. There's no time to waste. We thank you very much for listening. And please do join us again uh, uh, this coming Sunday. We thank you very much Voice of Uganda Radio. And have a a good evening and a good week. Thanks again. Goodbye.